So I think anybody who is planning on uh, taking the 12 step seriously in any 12 step uh, program uh, can learn a lot and can save themselves a lot of heartache and a lot of wasted time by understanding these principles and applying them. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Como se llama? Me llamo as Juan M. Greetings from Studio AA, deep in the heart of Texas. That was the voice of our friend Chris S., that you heard at the beginning of this here episode, episode number 320320. And you are going to hear so much more from Chris S. in un momento. But first things first, this here episode is brought to you by Brad and Idaliza and Michelle. What you may ask, did Brad? And Idaliza and Michelle do. Well, they went to our humble little website maintained by the lovely Mrs. M. And they clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. So thank you so much, Brad and Idaliza and Michelle. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. All right, so we're going to get right into Mr. Chris S.'s episode here today. None of my nonsense. Some of you will be disappointed in that. <laughs> the vast majority will probably be excited about that. Oh, I did want to say one thing. We are in December now. And like I hear Chad at our group say <laughs> many times during this uh, time of the year, this is the Alcoholics Anonymous's Biggest membership drive month. <laughs> I love it when he puts it that way. Our membership drive. <laughs> but between December and January, <laughs> they are coming in the door. <laughs> oh, you know, somebody drove the uh, the car through the kitchen or... <laughs> Got them big fight with their family over the holidays, and we see them. <laughs> and unlike though, and I've heard my friend David G talk about this, that unlike 
the when you have uh, the memberships for the gyms, you know, exercise gyms that uh, uh, skyrocket in January. Well, I'm always hoping when the people that are coming into the gym, when they start coming in and they haven't been coming in for all the rest of the year, that I'm hoping they just disappear as, as quickly as possible. However, in AA or whatever, Ever 12-step program you happen to be in, we are hoping, we are praying that you stay around and uh, find what you need uh, and determine that you are in the right place. If not, nobody's going to make you stay, but uh, we welcome you and we want you in the rooms. Anyway, we're in December. Now on to a little bit of Mr. Chris S., if you've been listening to the pod for a while, you will be familiar with Mr. Chris S. He is from Blairstown, New Jersey. Uh, they talk about in this 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 episode is entitled "The Twelve Inconveniences." Of Alcoholics Anonymous, there are probably more than that, but tw- but uh, Chris, uh, 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 th- this is actually on YouTube. He started this. Uh, 12 Inconveniences of Alcoholics Anonymous Talk. Uh, it went a little bit of viral on, oh, you know what I need to remember to do is put the talk that is on YouTube and in other places, uh, the link to this in the show notes so you can click on it and listen to it there if you want. But this is basically the talk, right? Uh, it's called The 12 Inconveniences of AA. And Chris will explain how he developed the subject matter and a little humorous story behind and that, in essence, what Chris does here is the 12 inconveniences are extracted from the chapter Working with Others, a chapter in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, if you're not familiar with that. And Chris will walk you through all 12 of these. So, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, enjoy with your favorite beverage. Hey, get a cup of, I don't know, hot tea, some coffee, uh, I don't know, some some sparkling water, whatever you want to have. If you're not an alcoholic, I don't know, maybe you have a, like a, an, an alcohol, like, like an adult beverage or something like that. But my, my guess is, would be that most people listening to this, it, that is not a good idea, right? So um, I, I don't want to encourage that, especially if you're an alcoholic. Just get your coffee or tea or water or whatever the hell, right? Anyway, get your beverage, enjoy the episode, and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy, Chris. Okay, everybody. So today we're back again with the one and only Mr. Chris S. So Chris, please go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live, por favor. Absolutely, John. It's great to great to see you. Yeah. I, my sobriety date is on or around December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. You know, I I wasn't I wasn't calendar literate during that that last detox, but that's the date that I claim. Uh, I live in a town in the northwestern part of New Jersey, out by the Delaware Water Gap, called Blairstown, New Jersey, which is famous for two things. Uh, it's the site that the first Friday the Thirteenth movie was filmed. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Elena Lodge, one of the very oldest uh, treatment centers, uh, recovery centers in the country, uh, exists. And so those are the two things I think we're known best for. 
So this is probably bad of me, but I'm more interested in the first one with the Friday the 13th thing. Do people come to your town and ask questions about where it was filmed and stuff? Uh, absolutely. People come here for tours. You can go up to the camp. Uh, you go to the local diner and there's you know, there's like Freddy Krueger-esque kind of stuff all over the place. And and you, we do get tourists. There are people who it's like there's a cult following for that Friday the 13th movie. You know, no one it, no one was in it that anyone would re- remember except like Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon was one of the actors in there, but I mean, it's like a mid seventies, you know, movie. It goes way back. And with it, at Halloween, is there all kinds of festivities around that? Yes, there's a museum. <laughs> you know, there's there's a Friday the Thirteenth Day where if you walk through the middle of town, you know, there's people with you know with axes and cleavers. It's uh, it's it's interesting. You know, uh, <laughs> I suppose I suppose we could have moved to a, a worse place. And let's give a little love to the treatment center. What did you say it was? The, it was one of the first treatment centers ever. Is that yeah, we, yeah. It was. It was a recovery center, one of the very first ones, and uh, that's still in existence. I think it was started in the early fifties. Uh, and and uh, uh, Geraldine Delaney and her husband Tom were really good friends with Bill and Lois. So so it was a it was a tw- what, what you would describe today as a twelve step abstinence based program uh and it was long term until just recently so you could go there and and they could say dude you're you're staying a couple of years you're gonna need a couple of years here <laughs> you know wow. it was like long long term so so uh, i've i've uh i've helped you know i've helped with with volunteer work there for probably 30 years and and now it's close so i used to have to drive an hour to it uh you know each time i i went up there to to help with something well, that's very cool. All right. So, uh, as you know, I contacted you before we got on today because I knew that as actually Marty was the first one who told me about this, right? Marty C. He said, you know, you ought to talk to Chris about the 12 inconveniences. <laughs> and so I just did a quick search on the internet and I noticed that you had a talk out there called the 12 inconveniences now a really really good podcaster somebody who was professional would have gone and listened to the whole thing beforehand <laughs> but you're stuck with me and so i have not listened to it and i i thought well wh- i'm gonna be talking to chris anyway so i'll just talk to him about it so i know there's something out there called the 12 inconveniences of aa so give me a little backdrop to that where did you come up with that how did it start start all that kind of stuff i you know i would love to do that just 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 give me a few seconds before that to say that a lot of times these talks end up on the internet and i have little or nothing to do with how they get there or why and and it seems a lot of times it seems the more obscure they are or the weirder they are the more popular they are so so like the, the, the this this one guy who would invite me down to the shore would ask me for a topic and i you know i am a wise ass okay i remember this one time i go okay here's the topic uh, here here's here's this topic uh serenity this right <laughs> and so so you know so that one and then there was one save the drama for your mama 
was the name was the name of one 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 of my talks, right? Right, and and they, and these these talks became really popular. So so it's I th I, I think that that kind of says something about the audience that we're you know we're we're aiming toward. But but the story about this, John, the story about this is um, during the height of Zoom. This is this is you know I was on a Zoom meeting every night in the middle of COVID. Um, uh, there there was some some meetings that I went to. I think this was this happened on on Marty's uh, Zoom meeting, the back room meeting. But what would happen is you'd get to the meeting a little early, like ten minutes early, and as people were popping on, people would be having conversations with each other. And this one guy pops on and, and it just, it felt really uncomfortable. I was very embarrassed, but he just jumped in. He stepped on everybody. He said, Chris, 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 you, you have to speak in my group. I want you to speak in my group. Chris, Chris, Chris. You, this is a, a guy from across the pond, right? So, so I'm like, I'm like, dude, take it offline. You know? So he did that two or three times. And finally, finally I said, okay, okay, okay. You know, email me and we'll pick a date. And and so a couple of weeks later, the same meeting, he does the same thing. He starts going, Chris, Chris, I need a topic. You need to give me a topic. I need a topic. And so I was really frustrated. So I, so I said, okay, here's your topic. Uh, here's your topic. But it was just been discovered, you know, in, you know, under, underneath some old luggage at Stepping Stones, some of Bill Wilson's last writings. And we all know that he wrote the 12 steps. He wrote the 12 traditions. He wrote the 12 concepts. Well, he was working on another set of 12 principles and they were the 12 inconveniences and they've just been discovered. So I'd like to talk on that. You know, I was just being a real smart right? So, so I forget, I forget all about it. You know, you know, this is back. I was very busy back then and I, I wouldn't pay attention to almost anything. And, and all of a sudden I look on a Facebook group and there's a flyer, Chris S the 12 inconveniences. So, so now, now I'm stuck, right? I, I, I mean, this is a big group. A lot of people from all over the world go to this meeting. So I, I can't look stupid. So, so, so I go into the big book and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a page in the chapter working with others that describes a whole bunch of challenges that you may have when you're working with the still sick and suffering alcoholics, when you're working with your prospects or the wet drunks. And I counted them up and guess what? There were 12 of them. <laughs> so, so that's what my, that's, that's what that talk was, was, <laughs> was based on, right? And, and I, I, listen, I'll say this. Somebody, I don't know who it was. It was way back when, but somebody took the ninth step promises, right? And they counted those up right. and they started calling them the 12 promises, which really bugs me because there's so many more promises right. in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. There's hundreds of them, right? <clears throat> to limit them to 12 <clears throat> is not fair. So, but if somebody can yank the 12 promises out of the ninth step and call them the 12 promises of AA, I can call these the 12 inconveniences of AA. Yeah, and well, <laughs> you know, maybe we could, you know, our, our, one of our aims for the podcast is to have these on the walls of AA all over the country. <laughs> yeah. Right next to the, uh, Right next to the upside down, think, think, think. You know that's where that's where it would belong, probably. <laughs> okay, so that's where this came from. Okay, yes. very cool. Yeah, me being a wise ass. Yeah, it wasn't actually 
under Bill's suitcase at the stepping stone. <laughs> <laughs> and and listen, that was so outrageous. I never would have, you know, I, you know, I never would have meant that. You know, I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for the historians and the historical process. You know, uh, but uh, but uh, but this guy was really, he was just really driving me crazy at, at a time, you know, at a time in, in just before a Zoom meeting starts that you know, you know, every everybody was like, you know. <laughs> what's what's going on between chris and this guy you know so uh so i was uh i was out of sorts but but anyway you know i i would be happy to uh to talk on the 12 inconveniences if you will allow me to do so john i would love for you to do that take us through the 12 inconveniences all right i'm gonna start with the chapter working with others I, i want to say that the chapter working with others is the most underutilized instructional chapter in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. And there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, um, think about, think about when you showed up in the 12 step rooms you know, and then think about the instructions in this chapter. It's like two completely different worlds. You, you, you know, when, when I, when I showed up, it was, it was about uh, meeting attendance and being, you know, really consistent with the meetings and, you know, getting a commitment with the meeting and, you know, cleaning up after the meeting and maybe some sober volleyball or some going to some sober dances or something, you know, I mean, that was, that was considered a program in 1990, at least in my area. And so, so, so the way I got, way I got sober was just massive amounts of fellowship in the beginning. And, and this chapter goes completely at odds with that. This chapter says, don't even bring them to a meeting. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, so I, so it's just, it, it comes off, this chapter comes off as antiquated. It comes off as, well, maybe that's what they did when they didn't have any meetings back in the thirties, you know, but what I've found, John, is I've found such, such wisdom in this and where these principles in this chapter are applicable, you know, where, where where it's responsible and appropriate to apply these principles when working with other people, they show really good results. So I think anybody who is planning on uh, taking the 12 step seriously in any 12 step uh, program uh, can learn a lot and can save themselves a lot of heartache and a lot of wasted time by understanding these principles and applying them. I'll give you a, for instance, uh, from page 89 <clears throat> until pay, halfway down page 96. So how many pages is that? That's like seven pages, right? That's the first visit. In other words, this is the first time you're, you're finding an alcoholic, you've found one, and you're sitting with one now. All that information is what you should do the first time you are in front of an alcoholic who might want to get over it. And some of the things it asks us to do is talk about our drinking. Talk about how baffled we were about our inability to stop. 
you know, talk about the strange uh, mental blank spots that precede the first drink. Talk about the first step. Talk about how the first step lived within us. We're supposed to do this. And then we're supposed to get them to talk about their drinking. Hopefully that's going to happen. They may identify with us. They may say, yeah, yeah, that's what that happened to me. Yeah. You know, that happened to me. And, and so that's, that's a skill set that we're being asked to develop. <laughs> and what it is, is it's, it's an identification exercise with the, with the alcoholic. Then hopefully they're going to ask us, well, what happened? You know, you're not drinking now. What happened? And now, now you're supposed to explain how you went through the 12 steps. That's exactly what you're supposed to tell them. How you did a four step, how you went out and made amends, how you pray and meditate. <laughs> and, and, and the reason you're working with them at this point in time is because it's the 12 step. It's part of a recovery program and it's doing you probably more than it's doing them. And then you're supposed to leave the book with them and say, say, read this book. After you're done with the book, I will come back and we'll talk again. <laughs> That's the first visit. Okay. The second visit is you come back and if the person has read the book, this is halfway down page 96. If the person has read the book and says they're willing to go to any lengths, then you are to start to take them through the recovery program. Right. This is all before before you're even thinking about taking them to a meeting. <laughs> now, now, Alcoholics Anonymous has changed so much that this this stuff really looks like looks like it's it's, you know, maybe that, you know, that was like civil war medicine. You know, more has been revealed. Right. <laughs> but, John, I've got to tell you, more has been revealed. Right. This is a perfect way to do this because because the people who are not going to read the book, the people who are not going to be willing to go to any lengths are the people who are going to be wasting your time. They're going to be the people who want you to be a drama coach. They're going to be the people who want you to bail them out of jail. They're going to be pe the people that relapse on you every five minutes. They're going to be the people that make you look bad in the meeting. Is Harry yours? <laughs> do you know he? Do you know he smells like alcohol and he's hitting on all the new women and he's borrowing money from everybody? <laughs> yeah, Harry's mine. <laughs> now, now you wouldn't even be anywhere near Harry if if you would have followed the, these instructions. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it, it completely so, makes sense. So, so, so in the middle of this, you know, the second the second visit. Uh, in the middle of that, on page 97, <clears throat> Bill is going to give us some warnings. He's going to tell us some of the challenges with working with these people. Because, John, you know as well as I do, we're whacked. You know, you, you can expect anything from us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think at poor Dr. Sokworth, who 20, he treated 20,000 alcoholics. I could see him with his pen and his paper. You know, he's like a behavioralist, right? I could see him sitting there going, you did what? what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because cause, cause we're, we're crazy. Yeah, you, you know, uh, we're forever doing stupid things. And, 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 you know, a normal person just – it looks like it's insanity, but what it is is it's it's symptomatic of this illness called alcoholism that 
we are forced to put alcohol in our body and we're forced to drink a lot of it when we do. <laughs> and that can cause some, some, some real problems. So anyway, let's, let's look at, let's look at the 12 inconveniences. So, so, um, he gives us a bunch of good guidelines uh, on the bottom of page 96. You know, now, you know, you might want to let him stay in your house. You might want to lend him a little money, but you got to be really careful. You got to understand that, that their motives have to be right. You know, they, they can't be coming to you on a service plane. In other words, oh, here's a sucker. You know, he's trying to help me, you know, so let me get money. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? You got to be sure the person really wants to get, get sober. And, and, you know, uh, that's one, that's one of the, the definers, like we, we are not supposed to, to spend our personal time working with people who are unwilling to go through the 12 steps. We are, we're supposed to drop them if they are not willing to go through the 12 steps. That's what this chapter says. Now, oh my, oh my God, you know, I'm thinking about the first five years of my sponsoring. You know, there were people who were willing to go through the steps, but I, I felt, I felt bad about like firing somebody or dropping somebody. So I wouldn't, you know, and I, I got run all around. <laughs> you would not believe. So, so, so it sounds harsh, right? But again, this isn't, this isn't Alcoholics Anonymous. This is my personal time as my 12 step time. They are saying it's it's not fair to spend it on someone who's not willing to go through the steps because I could move away from them and find someone who who will. And this is about recovery. It's not about sobriety. You know, you know the brass ring is the spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. That's the brass ring. If, if you're just helping somebody, you know, move on through their life sober till their next relapse, you know, you, you, you could actually be working with somebody that could recover, that could have that spiritual awakening. So that being said, so there's a kind I'm not a, uh, I'm not a big Bible scholar or anything, but I know that, uh, I forget the parable, but I think it's something like Jesus would say, like, if you throw the seed, some seeds gonna take root and some's not. And it's just a certain percentage, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not going to grow in the rocky soil, you know, and the rocky soil could be, you know, the discussion meetings, you know, that could be the rocky soil where the seed is not going to grow. Um, so, so ab absolutely. Um, you know, all of these spiritual principles go back thousands of years. It's, you know, we're not the first spiritual organization on the planet. And, uh, and so many of these things, uh, things work. I mean, yeah, and we've, we've mined a lot of the religious texts and, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, lessons uh, to put uh, the 12 steps together. But so Bill says a kindly act once in a while is not enough. You have to be the good Samaritan every day if need be. So this is our 12 step. I am, I am assuming that uh, whoever is going to endeavor on this 12 step way of life has gone through the first 11 steps. Excuse me. So what are the 12 inconveniences? One, it may mean the loss of many nights sleep. 
now, now this has been this has happened to me a lot, especially in my earlier days when I was working with a lot of people who just weren't willing to recover, you know, but they wanted help every five minutes. Uh, my my phone would ring any time of the day or night, you know, and I'll, and I'll answer it. I'll answer it. But there have there have been plenty of times where it was appropriate for you know me to get dressed up and and uh, and go you, you know the, those that doesn't happen as much to me any anymore because most of the people I sponsor uh, have been through the 12 steps and and you know they're not gonna have that level of acuity where I'm gonna have to you know fly over to the house their house in the middle of the night but but I've got a lot of experience doing that you know Inconvenience number two, it may mean great interference with your pleasures. <laughs> you know, I got it. I, I got it. I got to tell you, there's been a hundred times, a thousand times where I've had a com- commitment on a certain night or on the weekend or whatever. And if I didn't have that commitment, I could have been gone to the shore. Or, or you know, I could have gone to see a show in the city, or, or whatever. But, but what takes precedent in my life is these commitments. It's, it's not even like I, I, I debate, you know, a commitment versus, you know, going to a football game or something, right? I, I it's the commitment, right? Because it's just the way I've been programmed uh over the years the the commitment always comes first so it you know there have been great interference uh so with I my pleasure remind people here real quick and i just and i just want to reiterate and also remind myself is that all of these 12 com- inconveniences you're getting at is that all out of the chapter working with others yeah it, right out of page 97 yeah. right out of page 97 in the big book yeah we're not we're not throwing any pop psychology at you you know we're uh, you know this is uh, this is big book so number 3 it may mean interruptions to your business so so i've got to tell you the last four or five jobs i've had i've explained to my boss that i have kind of some unorthodox stuff uh, that goes on in my life. And there may be a, there may be periods of time where you're going to see me on the phone. Like, who, like who the hell is he talking to? Or I may even have to leave. You know, I promise you right here and right now, I will never steal your time. If, if that happens, I will make up the time. I, I will endeavor to give you a dime for your nickel uh, because, because that's the way I need to live. And I'll get that straightened out right up front. I've had the type of jobs where I've been able to do that. Inconvenience number four, it may mean sharing your money or your home, both of which uh, I have done. I, you know, I don't need to give money very often, but every once in a while, there'll be something where it's absolutely appropriate. And I know the person very well. I know their motives are really good. I know that I know they're, they're attempting to work a really good program. You know, they'll get, they'll get a little money or they'll, they'll get to stay, uh, stay with me. Um, never for long and never a lot of money (laughs) because it's, it's not just my money. (laughs) I I'm, you know, I'm married. Right. So, uh, so it's, I, it'd be very very interesting. (laughs) I'm sharing your home and your money and I'm sure people pause, you know, when they're thinking about that, but you know, it's kind of like if the spirit leads you and it seems like the right thing to do. And, you know, there's also the example in the big book of, uh, 
what it happens with Bill Wilson. Someone's burning one of his mattresses, I believe, and throwing it out the window. And, uh, and, you know, and people have families too, and you got to be protective of your family at the same time. So there's a real fine balance. Yeah. Bill Wilson learned this stuff the hard way. He was pulling people off of bar stools and bringing them to his house and trying to take them through the steps. You know, there was no fellowship back then, right? He was trying to take them through the steps and, and it, it wasn't going really well. (laughs) You know, the first six months wasn't going really well. People were killing themselves in his apartment. People were, you know, stealing his stuff. So so he, he learned, he learned a lot of the things that, you, you know, uh, this chapter asks us to do. He learned that the hard way and we don't have to, you know, he's, he's given us, uh, his experience and his knowledge up front. Poor Lois, poor Lois. You know, she was, she was a saint. That's for sure. Sure. Um, inconvenience number five, you may need to counsel frantic wives, husbands, and relatives. Uh, this happens all the time. Now, when I, when I start to work with somebody, I really try not to have one of the family members want to know what's going on. There has to be, there, there has to be a, you know, uh, a, a kind kind of a bond, uh, a spiritual bond of this is between me and you. But when you're, but when you're, you know, trying to get the person into a treatment center or you're, you know, you're, you're trying to see like which direction they should go toward sobriety. A lot of times you're going to have to deal with the families. Uh, and, and, and uh, certainly, certainly that's happened to, to me and my wife a hundred times, you know, I've had a lot of times the, the calls we get for help are the, the frantic wives or families you know, or relatives. <laughs> so, you know, you can't be shy about talking to them, but you have to be careful about what you share with them you, because you want to develop a, a bond of trust with the individual. The individual is going to need to trust you uh, to, to do something like go through the 12 steps with you. You know what I mean? And they always want to know, what do I do? Uh, and it's so sad uh, to see how the alcoholic is affecting those that are around them. Um, so sad. Yeah. And we're real good at blaming people. You know, I'm like this because of you, you know. And one of the things that uh, I always share with them, it's it's kind of an Alan thing, but it's it's a you didn't cause this. You, you know, you, you did not cause what's going on with your son. You did not cause what's going on with your husband. It's an illness. Right. It's an illness. And there's certain things you can learn how to do that'll be conducive to, to, to their sobriety and their recovery. And, you know, I would point you to the chapter to wives and, and, and some of the other things to chapter to the employers is a really good one. You know, uh, read, read those, read those chapters. And also point them toward Alan on. That's usually what I do. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So inconvenience number six, it may mean innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. And I would just change that to, uh, you know, instead of sanitariums and asylums, uh, detoxes and rehabs, because that's really what we have today. But I've been to all of those. Um, I have a standing commitment every Wednesday night at uh, a treatment center. I think it's really important for us to be meeting these people where they are, where, where they are. And, and, you know, back in Bill Wilson's day, a lot of them just died because they're real, you know, the, the hospitals just didn't want alcoholics back then, you know, uh, Towns Hospital was an exception, but they didn't want us. We're too much trouble. So, so, uh, 
so nowadays, uh, uh, alcoholism has been designated a disease by the American Medical Association back in 1955 or whatever. And it's incumbent upon hospitals to treat people who are, you know, in, in, uh, in bad, in bad shape because of alcoholism. But, but they know that, that there's not a lot they can do. They can stabilize your vitals a lot of times. Right. <laughs> and that's about it. And then there's, you know, the treatment centers and the places that specialize in helping us. And some of them actually can you know uh uh and uh, and we should make use of uh, of the good ones but but we we got to be willing to go there so much of the work of recovery john it's in our feet isn't it mm-hmm. it's in our feet mm-hmm. we we want to be able to think our way sober <laughs> and and we have to behave our way sober and there's all this all these inconveniences that we, you know, if we're unwilling to do any of this stuff, you know, we can't, we can't say that we were thoroughly following the path and, and, and that puts us at risk for a relapse. So, so I think this stuff is very, very important. So yeah, and I've been to all, it's interesting to think about the kind of life we get to live being a sober alcoholic in that we're able to go straight to the firing line of life. Things like, and I've been to them as well, police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, asylums. And, and, you know, it's an experience that I would not have had otherwise. Well, maybe the jail, but as a, and a, uh, <laughs> you know, like being arrested as opposed to going to carrying a message. And uh, it, it's uh, interesting that with the kind of life that uh, AA does afford us. It, it it is, and we can be lucky. We live in this age too, because back in the days of sanitariums and asylums, right. we we would come to in those places, and and in a couple of days we'd say, hey, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, we're, we're, these people are crazy." Well, you know, I'm not crazy. Well, well, you ran naked down the middle of town. Yeah, you know, of course you're crazy, <laughs> but but I'm not but I'm not crazy. <laughs> so, so, so they've learned, they've learned, uh, that, uh, to put us into, uh, treatment centers and detoxes. Now, thank God. <laughs> Here's one inconvenience. Number seven, your telephone may ring at any time of the day or night. <clears throat> so I remember this one time, um, I, I'm not a phone guy, but I don't have to be right. I, I don't have to like it. I can answer the phone. I can answer the phone under protest, right? So, 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 but I have to answer it. I, I don't have to like it. And I remember this one time. It's Super Bowl. It, it, you know, it is the fourth quarter, and and the and the score is tied. And ring, <laughs> ring. I'm like, what? knucklehead would call me you know fourth quarter of the super bowl with the score tied and and i can be really upset right but you know how you know what i have to do john i have to do this i have to do this hello (laughs) (laughs) and they'll never know they'll never know that i was i was totally infuriated to hear that right, phone ringing. Right, right. They're not going to know it because it's my job to answer it. And it's my job to be pleasant when I do and to be helpful when I do. And they wrote this before the days of caller ID. 
Oh, yeah. And the telephones would jangle back then. Yeah. So, uh, inconvenience number eight, your wife or husband may sometimes say they are neglected. I really, th- this happens, right, even to this day, but I, but I really try to be fair. Uh, I like to be fair with, with my time. And I, w- I also like to gain some consensus about, <clears throat> you know, uh, commitments and, and travel and, you know, things that I'm going to get involved with. I put everything on the calendar, you know, uh, uh, because, uh, because I have to do this stuff for my survival. And my wife understands it. She understands it, right? But there are there are periods of time where, you know, you're you're speaking in Albuquerque. You know, that's my sister's wedding, you know, or something. And, and then you know, there's gonna there's gonna be a problem. So, so uh, so again, I I try to be as fair as I can, understanding there's a minimum level of travel or or uh, you know activity that that I've. I've, I've spiritually agreed to. It's my deal with God, you know? Oh, so, number can, nine. I'm sorry. I just realized I, uh, I stole your thunder. I didn't realize this was coming up, but I just read it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, uh, so it could be some, a drunk may smash your furniture or burn your mattress. You know, I've had, I've never had a burnt mattress. Uh, I've never had smashed furniture, but I've had a lot of really scary things. I've, you know, there was a guy hiding in the bushes. You know, my wife, my wife comes home. It's late at night. It's dark and he jumps out and, you know, he's this big, you know, crazy looking newcomer I'm working with. He figured it would be okay to hide in the bushes and wait for me to come home at 11 o'clock at night. You know, I, you know, I've had, I've had my, my life, life threatened a couple of times in 12 step calls. Uh, you know, you, you know what I mean? Uh, there's been cars that have been, you know, misused. They're, you know, they're just th- things that have not been returned, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. I, I have to be okay with it going in. You know what I mean? I have to be okay with it going in. And convenience number 10, you may need to fight with them if they're violent. How about that? Mm-hmm. How about that, John? How about you're going to need to fight with them? Mm-hmm. So so here's what I do with my sponsees. I ask all my sponsees to take the martial arts. And the reason I do that, John, is some people need a meeting. Some people need a beating. <laughs> You may have to beat them. <laughs> now, I've never, I've never had to had to get into a fight with somebody. But but listen, anything anything can happen, and I'm only kidding. You know that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we we have to be we have to be ready for for anything and everything. Um, you know. Okay, inconvenience number eleven. You may have to call the doctor and administer sedatives under their direction. Now, this is one that I don't do. And I call, I'll call doctors. I've called doctors many times, but sedative administration is something that I had some really, really bad history with. Okay. I, I, I truly believe I'm a very, very bad sedative administrator. I could tell you about the great quaalude epidemic of 1972. If you need, you know, if you need an example, but, but I, I hesitate to, uh, to administer sedatives and, and, and listen, there's, there's detoxes. Now you can get a doctor's prescription for Ativan. I have bought those little airline bottles. Like, like if I'm, if I'm driving somebody to a treatment center and they look like they're, you know, they're just in a really bad way. I'll have some of those little airline bottles and, you know, give them a, 
two airline bottles an hour or something, you know, to, to keep them from seizing. So um, it does make me think of, though, I, I'm assuming that in the late 30s, early 40s, that this was some sort of acceptable practice. Uh, but I, I just didn't know that until you were pointing it out right now. You know, that's, that's a really good point. You know, we know Dr. Bob would administer sedatives like crazy. He'd knock you out. If you came over to his house, uh, you, you know, uh, a peraldehyde, I think is what he used. And, you know, you know peraldehyde, you go, you go from, you go from horizontal, you go from uh, vertical to horizontal for like <laughs> a couple of days, if you take that stuff. And, uh, and, and you could get a lot of this stuff, you know, you could get heroin over the counter in 1939. Oh wow! You know, up until after uh, after World War II, I believe you could still buy heroin products over the counter. So yeah, you could you could administer sedatives. Uh, it's it's a risky business, right? Um, you know, I've I've seen uh, I've heard a lot of stories about people being uh, uh, sedative administered and then dying because mm. you know it just it just OD'd them. So you got to be careful there. Uh, so, uh, inconvenience number, uh, 11, be very careful with inconvenience. Number 12, uh, you may need to send for the police or an ambulance. Uh, we've, we've had to do this. My sponsee called me up about an hour before the show and, and said somebody OD'd right in the, the AA meeting last night. Uh, you know, it was all bu- bubbly and went into the bathroom and came back out and boom, down on the floor. You know, it's, it's, you know, they're giving her Narcan, nothing's working. They're calling the ambulance. The ambulance is taking her away. It was some kind of a bench overdose or something right you know how it is today in the rooms it's not just alcohol anymore unfortunately but uh you, you know we, we have to we should we should have uh, 911 on our speed dial we should know what local hospital takes takes people for detox we should have this information uh you know before we need it and you know which which true you know what's the phone number for the admissions department at, at happy hills you know we need we need all this information uh, you know what i mean so those mr chris are the 12 inconveniences and the backstory that goes with it, which is even more interesting. <laughs> and like you said, is a let's go ahead and put out a disclaimer now. That this this is from the big book. We're not telling people to administer sedatives on, or uh, you know smash furniture or burn mattresses or anything like that. We're just saying that. Uh, 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 that these things are in the big book. It's very interesting, though. Very yeah, interesting. It, it is. It absolutely is. All right, my friend. Well, I know we're going to get back together again at some other time. We'll talk about that after. In fact, I think we were going to pick it up at like ah, step four or five, something like I don't even know where we were. We'll, we'll pick it up with some more steps eventually. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and read from... The Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, uh, page 164, it says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. 
And you will surely meet some of us, like me and Mr. Chris, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Maybe next time we'll do, what was that one subject you said you had a a thought of that time for? It was a weird subject that went viral on the internet. What was that? Oh, oh, uh, uh Spiritual Smiritual was one of one of mine that became very very popular. Yeah, no, no, no. It was a uh, uh, spiritual this or something. Uh, like serenity that. this. Seren- yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that next time. Okay. But anyway, thank you so much, Mister Chris. We will look forward to seeing you next time. Uh, until then, uh, God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thanks, John. Thank you again, Mister Chris. S, we sure do appreciate you as always. Chris was bringing the heat, and we'll have Chris back on uh, in the near future, I'm sure. But thanks, Chris, for going over those 12 inconveniences of Alcoholics Anonymous. Appreciate you. Now, on to a little bit of listener feedback. The first bit of feedback comes in. Hold on, let me get set up. Jimmy. Jimmy writes in, and the subject line is Jason J. And Jimmy says, hey, John, I love you, man. Well, Jimmy, I love you, man, too. Remember that Bud Light commercial with people? I love you, man. I love you, brother. I'm glad you're out there. He says, I love you, man. Your podcast led me to AA, and I'm trudging the path now here in Amon Jordan with our local group. Oh, wow. That is great, Jimmy. He says, thanks for your service. I tell everyone about this podcast. People tease me about my promotion of the podcast. Oh, well, you know, it was interesting. When I first started this, I thought this was going to be just my buddies and like, you know, maybe some various emails I collected and sending it out to them. And, you know, people people would, uh, uh, out of pity, listen to me every once in a while. But it turns out that the way that that it grew was with people just like Jimmy, people kind of like going to their meetings and saying, hey, you got to try out this podcast. It's great. But thank you so much, Jimmy. Uh, You can't see my little namaste hands, but I'm putting them out there to you right now. In Amman, Jordan, he's anyway, he says... uh, Uh, People tease me about the promotion of this podcast. And he says, also, a huge shout out to Jason J. And he's talking about the uh, two episodes that Jason J was on in his episode. I listened to the podcast at the gym, both parts one and two. And he talked about grandma knowing he was a good kid. And those people rooting for us and loving us against all odds. He had me weeping at the gym. <sighs> Please have Brother Jason J back again. And then he puts a little namaste hands. And then he says, I know you have been butchering. <laughs> hey, what is that? This is kind of a, <laughs> a little bit of a slight here. He says, I know you have been butchering foreign languages. <laughs> So I'm here in Arabic and we say, ooh, shukran, shukran giddin, which means thank you very much. And I'm looking for, 
forward to your pronunciation of this. Sincerely, Jimmy. Well, hopefully I was somewhat close. A Shukran Gadan, maybe. Is this Giddon? G-I-D-D-A-N. I got a feeling it's Shukran Gadan. And who knows? I could be pretty damn close on that. You never can tell. Anyway, thank you, Jimmy, for writing in. Have a good rest of your December. Stephanie writes in. Hello, Stephanie. She says, hi, John. Well, hello, Stephanie. I started my recovery uh, journey July 22nd of this year in the Magdalene house in Dallas. I live in McKinney. Okay, so she's talking about stuff that's right here in my area. I'm very close to that. Uh, and I, I definitely know of the uh, Magdalene House. In fact, uh, one of our uh, former speakers that we had on here recently, Stephanie C., uh, is actually, I think she either worked at or lived at, I, I can't remember, or both, at the Magdalene House. Anyway, she says, so far, I've heard, uh, she's talking about the episode she's heard, the, I've heard the Kool-Aid Bandit. <laughs> oh, God, who was that? The Kool-Aid Bandit. Oh, I think that was Jason, if I'm not sure. A- anyway, she, and she says, and Miss Joe M. I know Joe, yes. She says, I love what Joe had to say about finally being able to be productive at work. That's so true. I work seven days a week, about eight to 15 hours a day, so that I've had a hard time getting to meetings. So one of my sober buddies suggested that I listened to you. So far, it's been an amazing suggestion. I don't know if you could hear that, but I got a phone ringing in the background. I got to get back to that guy after I finish up the rest of this here episode because you guys deserve every bit of my attention except for me paying attention to this guy that's calling me anyway harrison writes in harrison says uh, good afternoon john m my name is harrison w and i love your podcast i'm also able to listen while i work so a good part of my day has your voice in my ear well i don't know whether to say that's good or bad jason but thank you he says i'm from syracuse new york and i was told by a friend of mine about your podcast my sober date is january 19th and i just celebrated 10 months good for you good for you uh oh gosh that could be it's probably 11 months by the time you hear this hopefully it's 11 months by the time you hear this anyway he says it's hard to pick a favorite speaker from your podcast but i have found all of them to be entertaining and have been able to learn from them all as well that being said i enjoyed jack z in the grouch in the brainstorm oh i love jack z uh, he's, he's just a friend of mine, and uh, thanks for reminding me of that, and thanks for that compliment to Jack. Anyway, see, this is my first attempt at recovery, and I was fortunate enough to attend a treatment center in Connecticut named Mountainside that was very helpful. I look forward to hearing from you and your future episodes. Thank you, Harrison W. Well, thank you, Harrison, for writing in. I appreciate you. Diane writes in, and she says, OMG is the subject line. Wow, Brenda J is awesome. All the speakers are. I'm caught up now with all the podcasts on the Sober Speak, which makes me sad. <laughs> but thank you for all you do. I'm putting out as many as I can, Diane. I'll try to I'll try my best to catch up and get more out. Someday in the future, I've talked about this many times. I'd like to put out two a week, but oh, it's just a time thing, right? And um uh, I don't know. 
maybe when I uh, God decides that it, I can retire, I'll be able to do two a week. But anyway, in the meantime, uh, all is well. And finally, last but not least, Mr. John writes in, J-O-N, not J-O-H-N, and his subject line is 10 and a half month update. He says, Ola, John, well, Ola, Mr. John, back at you. John, John D. I'm John M. He's John D. I'll try to keep us straight here so no, not everybody gets confused. He says, Ola, John, how's it going, man? Well, it's going pretty good. Mr. John D. He says, it's been a while since I last wrote you, so I thought I'd shoot you an update. Life and sobriety continues to show me new gifts all the time. As Time goes by, I'm finding areas of my life that still need attention, which sometimes makes me question, am I really doing as good as I think I am? Well, Mr. John D., welcome to the club, brother. And whether it's 10 and a half months or 10 and a half years or 30 plus years, uh, I I can't guarantee you that will happen to you, but I can tell you it has continued to happen in my life. He says, however, when I sit back and pray and I meditate, on it, I often find that I'm doing a whole lot better than I am feeling. Yes, that happens to me, John D. He says, I, I'm just trying to look at these areas which need work as an opportunity to get better to know God and what he would have me be. Well, God, sounds like you're on the right path to me, brother. Anyway, he says, I've been getting the feeling for a bit that it's time to look at doing another set of steps. Man, you are going through all the normal stuff. Uh, my last set I went through with my sponsor via the NA, lit, N, NA literature. However, through this year, I have fell in love with the AA, with AA in the big book. I had it in my head and I wanted to go through it with somebody who had a lot of experience with the big book. So I spoke to a man I have gotten to know over the last few months. He seems to always take everything, uh, uh, he says, back to the book. I, I see what you mean. And have a level of serenity in his life I desire. I have asked him about it and after some solid conversation, he had to admit he didn't quite have time as he was already pretty loaded with sponsees. By the way, I think I've talked about this before. I've looked this up. Sponsee is not a real word. We make that up in Alcoholics Anonymous. Anyway, uh, John says, he felt that I already had a solid understanding of the book and would be better off using my time to share that with somebody new versus taking up his time that could possibly be, be spent with somebody new as well. He did offer to be of help with any guidance I may need in the process. He also suggested that when I start the process with somebody new, uh, that I do a uh, new set of steps myself, uh, myself with them as they do with theirs. I've been spending a lot of time asking God to show me, this is, that is a good wise move right there, who I can help, how I can help, and direction to take on this. Man, you really are ahead of the game at 10 and a half months, my friend. There have been a couple of guys who have come back to me since and show me some interest, but uh, are not displaying the actual willingness to begin the work. (laughs) 
we'll get used to that as well. It seems like they just want to have a sponsor by name, right, and go to meetings. Who am I to judge, though, as exactly what I did for a long time? That's exactly what I did for a long time with poor results. There has been one guy recently, though, who does show the willingness to go to any lanes, and we have begun working uh, together over the week, just one. Uh, that's just one example of how I am finding what. Uh, oh gosh, I'm sure. Just one of many examples I am finding that when I ask God to show me how I can be useful, He does just that. On another note, I'm curious: Have you ever talked to Chris? I just say R. Uh, a lot of people know who Chris R is about being a guest on the podcast. I know you have had multiple people who are connected to him on the show. And I would imagine it's something that uh, may have come up. I would love to hear the dynamic between you two on an episode. If that was something that was God's will. Well, I have talked to Chris between our schedules, we just can't seem to make it work. Quite honestly, I'm willing to have them on. If you have, a, we've talked, we've texted, we've emailed, but it's just a matter of getting him kind of to set aside time to actually come on here. I would love to have him on. Anyway, says, I hope you are enjoying the Texas weather. Winter is creeping up on us here in British Columbia, Canada now. I'm just taking off from the airport and heading back for another shift as I write this. I will send, which I will send when I land to connect a service again. Continue to walk in the light. John D with praying hands, namaste hands. And he sent me a picture of the uh, up there in British Columbia of the uh, of the window on his plane and the propeller and all the snow in the background. It looked absolutely beautiful. I right, thank you, John D. Everybody, guess what? That is Una Masmana of Sober Speak. Keep coming back. It does work if you work it. May God bless you and keep you until then. I take this. Uno semana, for those of you who don't understand Spanish as well as I understand Spanish, that is, I take this one week at a time, and we hope to be back next week, and God bless you. Love you guys.